Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today, I'm going to be joined by Lenny Reed from Dynamite Diesel Products, and he's going to be talking about injectors with us, some new equipment, things they have to increase the precision, the efficiency, the variance you know, from injector to injector. And then we're also going to ask him a big question that we have seen a lot in diesel, and I know there's a lot of confusion with, which is what's the difference between a new injector and a reman injector, and is one better than the other? So he's going to answer that for us. Before we get to the podcast, though, I want to encourage you guys, if you want to save some money, get some cool gear, go to kershaw.kiausa.com. You can save 20% off on knives and a ton of different gear they have with code DIESEL20. And that's an exclusive code they've done just for our listeners. It's not anything you're going to find, you know, anywhere else out there. So we appreciate our friends over there offering this for you guys. Get some cool gear for EDC, hunting, fishing, anything like that. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed to the Diesel Podcast, make sure and and click the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like and comment. Let us know what you think of the episode. There's follow-up questions or a guest that I should have on or a topic you want covered. We want to make sure that uh, the guests and what they're talking about reach as many diesel enthusiasts as we can on YouTube. And we see tons, like tens of thousands of you that watch these videos that aren't subscribed. And that's a way that we can reach more people, get their questions answered, be able to grow the podcast and make sure that, you know, diesel talk information about diesels, you know, continues on for people out there that are looking to be able to upgrade, modify, just have better trucks. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Lenny from Dynamite Diesel Products and talking about injectors and the biggest differences between new injectors and remands. Lenny, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to chat with you here in uh, September. It feels like feels like just yesterday we chatted about you know questions to ask about injectors before you buy them and know that episode did really well and uh, there's a lot that we can chat about today that I know people are going to want to listen to whether they got a Cummins, Duramax, or Power Stroke. So welcome back. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, it's always good to be back, man. I, uh, I wanted to catch up with you. You guys move really fast. You guys are on the cutting edge of you know, diesel fuel injection and everything. So since we chatted, I think it was in either late July or early September or early August when we chatted last, but what's new at dynamite diesel? Uh, you know, like a buddy of mine says like a small company is like a speedboat and a huge company is like the love boat. So you can like <laughs> turn it, but it's like two and a half days before it makes any like change. Yeah. And yeah, we're a real small company. There's only, well, Monday will be two members stronger because we're picking up another guy that's going to start full-time in uh, the dyno slash installation and uh, like videos and EO testing, carb testing full-time, like one employee just for doing that stuff from now on. And we picked up another guy that's going to be full-time in the injector shop. So he will start like doing injector pop testing and things like that and then move his way on over throughout the entire shop. So we're pretty excited, but that'll put us at... Uh, I think that'll put us at 13 people. So yeah, small company, speedboat style, like lots of left, lots of right, and on and off the gas all the time. Um, This week, uh, Monday, I was in the truck for like six, uh, about six hours, well, 12 hours total, but six hours each way. That's always dangerous because uh, I start thinking about like all the things that I haven't thought about. Like when you get in the ditch, you're just shoveling and digging and, you know, pickaxing and you don't realize where the ditch is headed, right? And then when you get out of the ditch, you're like, ooh, that'd be a good idea. Wow. That'd be a good idea. So 
Monday, I decided that, uh, and this was inspired by our brand new test machine. Those guys send us a master injector once every two months. And the master injector was calibrated by them at the factory that makes the test stand. Uh, we're going to put this master injector in our test stand once every two months. We fire it, run it, run it a couple times, leave the test stand powered up for the night. They come in through TeamViewer, they run the machine, and then they recalibrate the digital side to make sure that the master injector flows exactly the same here as it would across the seas. So that master goes from here to the next shop, to the next shop, to the next shop, and this master gets sent back and they make sure that nothing happened to it uh, to change the calibration. But that's one more thing to ensure that test data is actually correct and accurate, where with the other stands that we've got, you buy them, you beat the heck out of them. And if they start to give you bad test data, we don't really know about it. And I don't care what brand or color the machine is, that's kind of the, that's the, uh, that's the industry standard, like until it really kicks a fit and, uh, you just don't know if you're putting out bad data. So that, that conversation right there led me to, well, I love my armadillos. They're really durable. They've made us a lot of money. They've built a lot of injectors. They've been really good stands. But because they don't have that same ability to be recalibrated by the factory once every two months, I decided that I was going to start selling the armadillos. So some of my really strong shops we're going to basically, we're going to help them by setting up like dynamite diesel is really good at nozzles. That's what we want to be good at. We're, we're good at remanning parts. That's what we're good at. But when you've only got two, three, four, five guys, you know, doing remands, you can't cover the United States, right? Like there's no way that we would ever be able to reband all those injectors. We could make enough nozzles probably. And if we can't, then we're going to buy the tools to do that. But once these armadillos get sold, they're going to get sold to people that are going to buy our nozzles, going to buy our remand products. They'll be able to pull in, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, if you look at like the, the time or the, uh, the shipping zones for UPS, there's basically a lot of areas from here to Florida that are one day away without having to go, you know, pay the extra charge for red label. So I want to get with people that are good at marketing themselves and can actually like be one day away all the way across the USA. Uh, so that way we've got good coverage from here to Florida on, uh, you know, people just sending in their injectors to this guy that's going to be able to do, he'll have our remands, he'll have a bunch of nozzles there, he'll be able to test your stuff, and they will be able to calibrate the new stuff and send it out to you overnight is, is the dream. So that way everybody's, everybody's got good coverage from now on, instead of everybody having to like red double things and you know, even when you pay $300 to ship a box to yourself, it might get lost, right? So just trying to put a, that's kind of the dream is, you know, for us here at the, at the factory, basically to, uh, to have stands that get calibrated once every 60 days and to set up from here to Florida, our armadillos and get guys using our parts across the U.S. That's a huge opportunity for them to be able to have the testing, the calibrations and the support network that they may not have otherwise and so the, for them it's a win anybody that gets one of those <clears> test stands they the test stands worth you know ten dollars but the data that's in the test stand is worth thousands of dollars like un, the more you run it the more the test stands worth because all those test plans are something that we've come up with we've cooked up 
we've calibrated, you know, like the factory is going to allow you like say a two or 300% deviation rate at idle. And it's going to allow you 18% deviation rate at wide open throttle. Now, if I tell you, I want you to create your own test plan and you have to be within like, you know, like 10 or 20% of idle and you, you don't know where you want that 10 or 20% to be set at, you're just guessing. And I tell you, I want you to be 2% at wide open throttle. You don't really know where you want it. So you're just guessing. So it becomes your problem to create your own test plans by installing trucks, uh, injectors and in trucks, and then seeing how they run. And those are hours and days that we've already invested into those test machines. So these test plans have just ungodly amounts of potential in them. If somebody's going to be using them correctly, the potential is like, it's going to be amazing for a lot of people. But, you know, the biggest thing is the consumer right now with COVID and then I don't know what else you want to call it, but nobody wants to go to work apparently. Like, I don't know how people are, I don't know how we have so many unemployed people right now, but there's not enough people to make new stuff. So when, when the big green machine is manufacturing new product, a lot of people assume that the new product has to be the absolute best. In this case, it's not necessarily true. When you manufacture a brand new product, everything there is brand new. Yes, that, that checks out to be truth. But the idle flow rates are going to be within, you know, like example, you're going to be say 12.6 mm cube delivery at uh, like say 40 MPA at uh, six or 800 US. But they're going to give you an extra 5.5 on the big end. So it's like 12.6 plus 5.5. And they're going to give you minus 5.5 from 12.6. So your deviation rate is monstrous. It's, it's a huge deviation rate that's allowed to idle. And then when you start breathing on the gas pedal, the poor motor rattles and pings and does all sorts of stupid stuff because those injectors aren't all contributing the exact same amount of volume and the motor is ingesting it at different rates. So crankshaft speeds are different. It's just, it does weird things. So we've discovered like recipes that we like. Had a guy call me up weeks ago and he's like, man, um, it was... I don't want to throw him under the bus, but uh, he uh, he calls me up on my birthday, wishes me happy birthday, and that's cool. Appreciate it. And he goes, "Hey, bro. So uh, thing is, like, uh, what do you do differently with your like your LLYs and your LBZs?" And I, I'm kind of like, "What do you mean, man?" He's like, "Well, they work." That seems baited. Like, like <laughs> that's why you buy them. They're supposed to work. He's like, well, I buy from this guy or this guy or this guy. And I spend a ton of time trying to get them to idle correctly. And this is on just even small stuff. So I call up this guy and I say, hey, you know, like um, I, I fight, you know, I have to tune these things to get them to idle correctly. And this isn't a very big injector. He's like, and then I call up the other guy and they're just like, nah, it must be you. Like it must be, it's gotta be the truck. There's something wrong. He's like, and then I throw your stuff in there. I'm trying not to cuss, you know. I'm trying to try not to swear at all. So they're like, yeah, I throw your stuff in there and boom, it just like starts and runs. I'm like, yeah, it's what it's supposed to do. He goes, well, when I buy them from the OEM, they don't do that. I have to enter in the, the injector codes. I said, yeah. How did they run after that? He goes, oh, they're all right. I said, yeah. And does it get better? He's like, well, it seems to get better. Yeah. So if I fix the injector on my end, you don't got to worry about entering in the injector codes. Like we just fix our, our idle deviation rates and we pencil, we, we get that, that we're just trying to be precise about what it is we're doing. 
and it's all in the test plans and then experimenting with the test plans, which is why having Mitch come to work Monday is such an exciting deal because now we've always been full-time in the injector shop, but we've been part-time installing the injectors, dynoing the injectors and driving the injectors, right? With Mitch being full-time, that's gonna, our company will now have an opportunity to, to rise to the next level. So super stoked about it. And that's, that's another, you know, just another uh, shameless plug for a reman product, like our reman product is not garbage. Our reman product, we basically open it up. Everything that's a wearing part gets thrown away. All of the shims, all the springs, control valves, nozzles, all the wearing parts get chucked and everything that's a wearing part gets replaced. Um, we can use on the solenoids, probably five or six out of maybe even seven out of 10 solenoids uh, test correctly and we can reuse them. But because people assume that if it's got to use solenoid, it's gonna have a shorter life. And I can go into solenoid failures and talk about that. And which really, what kills the solenoid is improper uh, armature lift, improper air gaffed, uh, air gap, excuse me. And then the next thing that kills it is contamination. So if the injector's acting slow, then the solenoid dies a shorter life. So if you've got contaminated fuel constantly and you don't change fuel filters, you're not cleaning things up, you're not, you're not running good maintenance product to keep things clean, then you're gonna kill solenoids sooner than somebody else. Um, beyond that, solenoids should live basically forever. So we're, we've just swung towards, people are asking for it, so we're just gonna start replacing all the solenoids it's not that I believe that they're going to be any better or last any longer because still what kills a new solenoid kills an old solenoid as well. But uh, we've decided that on our five nines, since they're getting to be 20 years old, we're just going to start replacing all the solenoids as well. But our remands, like they get high quality control valves, high quality nozzles, all the shim. There's another machine that we use. Every single injector body's got a bunch of CNC machining done internal, right? And of course, internally, there's a bunch of shims that put preload on little tiny springs. That preload is responsible for the amount of response time that it takes to overcome that spring and the amount of total travel. Well, this tool that we have is computerized. We measure the inside of the injector body, top and bottom, and then that will set, that gives us a very, very, very high probability of putting the injector together the first time and having it work the first time. If we didn't have that tool, then we wouldn't have that ability. We wouldn't have that, the probability to do it wouldn't really be there. So that's, that's something that's critical as well. And with that tool, if we come up with our own shim stack recipe that we like better than the OEM, then we can edit that recipe and we can create our own shim stack to set all of our own preloads and our own heights and that injector performs the way we want it to, not the way the OEM wanted it to. And that that kind of leads us, I'm killing it today, aren't I? <laughs> You're on your game today, Lenny. Yeah. So, and then that then throws us into going back to Mitch, the guy that's going to be installing and dynoing. With the new dyno, he's going to be able to start working on gas testing so we can cook up recipes that are like DDP certified, but we're gonna have them carb and, and like EO tested. So we'll start coming out with part numbers that perform the way we want them to perform. 
start, drive, do everything the way that Dynamite wants it to be done, but they're actually tested legally. So that's just, again, that's this whole industry is heading that direction. And yes, we're heavily on the gas pedal. And yes, you know, with me building the, the shop house and the dyno bay and then waiting for the dyno, all of those things, they're finally coming to fruition. And uh, I'm starting to see fruit hanging on the vine. So it's really, gotta be honest, man, like I'm exhausted, but it's a very exciting time. So super stoked about where things are. Um, I just, yeah, that's, so what do you got? How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> I got a lot of questions for you. Um, well, I think the first one is a really common one that truck owners will have when they're shopping for injectors. And how would you, or what would you advise people to think about when they go on a website or they call a place and you get two options, you get new or remand. And I know you touched on some of the things that you guys do, but what's important to think about before buying one set or the other and making that choice? Right now, new is going to be coming from across country, across the seas. And I've had a lot of problems this year with pumps and injectors that we didn't have two, three years ago. So there's that's strike one. Strike two is the fact that you can't always get new. Like the only thing consistent about the OEM right now is they're consistently on back order for something or another. And to get, to get, uh, when you, when you back order something worldwide, there is no answer as to when you're going to get it. You're just going to get it when it shows up. So if you're a consumer that's waiting on an injector or a pump, um, and you think that you, it's correct, or you want to wait for the new because it's going to be the best thing, you potentially could be waiting 30 days to six months, eight months to get your truck back on the road. So if that seems like a good decision to you, then more power to you. And as a shop owner, I understand because I came from drive-in service, drive-in repair, like my entire family, we've always been in the drive-in, you know, like working on vehicles, right? You do not want to install garbage product because you only get paid for it the first time you install it. You don't get paid for it the second time. So you want to have full faith that your company is going to make money when you install it and it drives away. Our stuff, like that's something that I take very, very personally, because if we don't do it correctly, then you end up suffering and that doesn't help you help me. Like I only make money if you get to make money. So from a shop's point of view, like I can tell you that I've got a lot of friends in this industry who enjoy our product because it goes in once and it goes in correctly. And if, and I've had, I've had shop owners that, uh, you know, they're just like, man, what's going on? Like lately your stuff's just been killing me. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like, let's, let's look at all of it. Like I didn't bust the top of the cylinder off. That was your guy. I didn't not torque the injector. That was your guy. And then it's like, oh yeah, you're right. That's all coming from the same bay too. So then they go have a talk with that guy. Uh, and there is, you know, I can't say that we haven't screwed stuff up because oftentimes we're trying stuff that, that isn't working correctly and we don't get a chance to test it. And I've got to work with a shop and finally work through it with them. But I always try and make it right with, you know, whoever it is we're using as the, uh, as the uh, test dummy. Like we're, we're always letting them know up front, like you're going to be a test dummy on this. Are you, you know, are you okay with that? And is your customer okay with that? But after that, like, the stuff that we sell on a day-to-day -day basis, it's tested. It, it should be good. I think that's where um, the testing that you mentioned and the cal like calibrating the injectors, um, I think it was every 60 days and having this program really goes back to like 
I guess when I think of it, is that this Rayman injector I get is going to be better than a brand new one with probably variances in the quality of it and you know, the deviation that you talked about. And I think that's a huge thing in diesel because we're, gosh, I don't know, for 15 years, 20 years, people think about new versus Rayman. It's like, I see news double the price. That must be better. But is it? And you need to ask these questions. And so that's what I really, that's what I gather from what you're talking about with the testing and the ability to precisely calibrate these things. For the entire, you know, when Common Rail came out, it was brand new. Like there, that was revolutionary. There was nothing like it before. Nobody had any test gear for it. And of course, test gear comes out and people like me and everybody else, we all buy this test gear, right? The test gear has now had 20 years of playing catch up to what the OEM had. And quite honestly, I don't think that the aftermarket stuff is now playing catch up. I think the OEM is now going to have to play catch up because some of the aftermarket stuff is on point. Like it is very, very good stuff. With the other question I had for you, we were talking about uh, the new guy you brought on and some of the testing and stuff. I did an episode recently with, uh, with Ryan Milliken. We were talking about tuning and kind of the future of it and where it's going. And we had touched on, and we've talked about this before, where the tuner's kind of bringing together everything, all the hard parts. And the future of it is if a truck's brought to them and they say, uh, hey, I've got these injectors, this turbo, like he won't touch it unless he has that testing so he can say, I can confidently do this. So I, I wanted to ask you from the fuel side of it, what um, what kind of challenges do you guys have or what goes into you know, testing a 49 state injector versus one for California? Is there really any difference or is it just this one set's going to be good in all 50 states or, or what kind of inside look could we get into that process that you guys are, are going through and working towards? Okay, so so I guess the question, <clears throat> the question that I just heard is, if it's EO certified, does that automatically make it carb certified? The answer to that is no. But yes, if you carb certify, then I do believe that you're automatically EO tested. So EO would be like 50 states, carb would be include California restrictions board. So there are some states that are going to be following all of carbs rules. And because of that, right now we say it's 49 state legal, but pretty soon we're gonna have to say it's 48. And then it's gonna be 47, then it's gonna be 46. So the dream, like my dream is basically for a planet that can run on diesel because as much as like the really, really, really rich people that are making like stocks and, and dividends off of electric vehicles, that's not the best thing for the planet. Like, unfortunately, for all of you that like drank the Kool-Aid and think that's it, you're wrong. Like lithium, there is no, there's no way that you can recycle lithium. And the lithium mines are big, ugly, nasty things. So then what do we do with lithium? Well, when it's, when it's life expectancy is done, as far as I know, they're basically putting it all on barges. They're running it into some deep, deep, deep spot in the ocean, and they're pushing it overboard. And there it sits. Well... That's fine because fish, they don't go that deep, right? So as long as you push the lithium when gravity takes over and sucks it to the bottom of the ocean, there's supposed to be no fish down there. But I can't say that in the future, all of the, the cartridges and the containers that are containing all that lithium, I can't say that salt water is not going to erode all that stuff 
and the lithium is going to end up in our ocean. So I don't think that's, I don't think that's a great idea. And then recently I did see that Bobcat, who I hold them pretty high in respect. I think they make a, a really strong product. Uh, they've got a fabulous reputation. They've been building, you know, skid steers and things like that for a very, very, very long time. Recently, Bobcat came out with a, with a little skid steer that on a full charge doing like moving work, like lifting, pushing, moving, you get four hours of runtime on this new lithium powered Bobcat. And it takes like seven to 10 hours to charge this Bobcat. So if you're a owner operator of a small landscaping company and you used to run your Bobcat seven to nine hours a day, because those are the kinds of things like skid steers are seasonal, right? In most areas of the United States, you're only going to be working on people's yards and doing yard construction for new homes during weather when it's conducive. Like you can't go out there when it's a complete mud bog or when it's frozen solid. So now you're limited to some places, six, seven, eight months worth of work. So those guys work, you know, 10, 12 hour days. But with this brand new lithium powered Bobcat, they get four hours of functional time. And then they've got to run the thing home and charge it for seven, eight, nine, 10 hours and be back out there fresh and ready for tomorrow to get four hours. Diesel's not like that. You run out of diesel, you put more in it. So I, I don't think that any of this battery powered stuff is ever, we don't have the technology, nor do we have the wire. If every single person on the planet had a 40 amp charger in the garage and every single one of them charged their car, let's say every three days, because they get what, maybe two or 300, you know, miles on a tank, on a uh, battery charge. Let's say they all charge their cars every three days. First off your electric bill, 40 amps for you right now might not be that bad, but when the demand of electricity goes up by that kind, every single block in the United States, the cost of electricity will go way up as well because everything is always based off supply versus demand, right? Yeah. If we demand that much out of our electricity, the price has to go up because now we're going to have to make new infrastructure and that's got to get paid for off of you and me and everybody else that's got a 40 amp charger in our garage. So I don't think battery powered vehicles are the answer yet. Will it be someday after I'm dead and gone? I think that everything changes slowly, but surely, like for God's sakes, we used to ride horses and people that rode horses, you know, like, like Ford said, if I would have asked the people what they wanted, they said, they would have said a faster horse. Well, here we are today burning gasoline and diesel and nobody could ever think of, I can't even ride a horse. Every time I've ever been on a horse, I would fall off. So I would transport myself a lot less. I certainly wouldn't jump in my truck and drive 700 miles a day to go pick up a customer's truck, right? So, but I guess if it was all horses, I wouldn't have to do that. There, somebody else would be working on the horse. Um, diesel is cool because, you know, I've had a Gladiator with 39 and a half inch tires. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And that truck empty would get, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 maybe 13 miles per gallon. It wasn't bad, 
but the new gladiator on 41 and a half, which doesn't sound that big, but when you lay a 39 on top of a 41 and a half, it is a big difference. Uh, but the new truck, you know, it's got a Dana 80 under the, under the rear, a Dana 60 under the front. So parasitic drag is going to be greater than the half ton plus 41 and a halves, 75, 80 mile an hour down the road. And I can drive from here to Portland on a tank of fuel, no problem. And uh, it'll get, you know, just 75 miles an hour. That thing gets on IROX, which aren't going to be what I'd call the most fuel efficient tire. That thing still gets almost 20 miles per gallon. So if I hooked onto a boat, I've got torque that my little V6 gasser didn't have. Like I could actually move my boat now. So diesel is for all of the legislators out there, for all of the governors out there that think you're doing the right thing to save the planet. I, I don't think that you've done enough research into diesel. Diesel with, excuse me, diesel with really high pressure injection is a very, very, very clean way to operate this planet. Have we done diesel incorrectly? Absolutely. We've, we've given the keys to some people that are way too young and they ask for coal burnt, you know, like coal rolling tunes. They want coal rolling injectors. Those guys aren't the primary example and they're not the ones I'm talking about. But if you own a, I would say that uh, an, a necessity would be food, right? Now, if you've got to get food out of the ground, you've got like a harvester and your crop is going to freeze so you, you can't operate for four hours a day. You've got to operate for 12 hours a day when you're digging potatoes. And then you've got trucks. Those, guys, those trucks are going to be diesel powered as well because they can't operate for four hours a day and go back. And, you know, you got a farm with 5,000, 6,000 acres. You own 100 trucks. You're not going to have 140 amp chargers. That's ridiculous. So these trucks will get all of the potatoes out. They get put into cold storage. They get turned into French fries. Now they go from the potato processing plant to mcdonald's or wherever right okay well now you're you're going to be limited to four hours a day to transport french fries from the potato processing plant to the place where they're going to get like put in the deep fryer that doesn't make any sense you're not going to schedule your french fries for four hours a day so there's these truckers are we barely have enough truckers on the road right now with diesel so I just think that diesel's needing to be relived. And I think that high pressure injection has helped out a lot. I think that, you know, the OEMs, there's a lot of really smart people that work at the OEM level and they're making products now that really do amazing things. And I do believe wholeheartedly that some of the restrictive gear that's put on these trucks, that's really expensive, has also hindered the fuel economy of said vehicles. So it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, like the other day, super frustrated. I'm going to go on tangent. So the other day, you know, pull over or else you're going to, you got to get DEF in your truck or else, you know, it's going to go to a five minute or a five mile per hour maximum speed if you don't put DEF in your truck. And that is a real pain because if you let it go there, which I've done it, I've tried it a few times because I'm not really good about looking at gauges, to be honest. But uh, I put a two and a half gallon jug of DEF in my truck at the gas station. So I topped off the diesel. I put a two and a half of uh, DEF in. I walked in and I bought the plastic jug, right? Plastic jug, like forever. Everybody's been like, oh, plastic in landfills is a bad idea, blah, blah, blah. All right, well, then you buy the ones that are plastic jug inside of a cardboard box because that's even better for the environment, right? So 
all around the USA, we've got these two and a half gallon jugs getting, you know, jam they, they get left at the gas pumps because they don't fit inside most of the gas. You know, you go to the gas station, they got their, their container out there. Jug doesn't get fit in there. So people just leave them sitting there. It looks like crap to start out with. And then sooner or later, if it doesn't get blown away in the wind, then somebody comes and throws in a dumpster and it goes to the landfill and then it sits there. So that's like not good. I don't see how that's good for our environment. And it was $30, 30, wow. $30 for a two and a half gallon jug. And instantly I was like, I want to punch everybody who voted <laughs> for this guy. Like just line up everybody so I can punch you with this big purple glove, like a 412 pound, like super soft pillow glove with common sense in it. Like everybody gets hit with common sense. That stuff used to be eight or nine bucks. And I complained about it because if I go to the pump right over here where the semi trucks get it, it was like $2 and 50 cents. So for five bucks, I got a, I got, you know, my, I topped off my tank. Now it's $30 that yeah, just, uh, but meanwhile, inflation is under control. <clears throat> yeah. The part that it's something that I think about a lot and, and, and it's been on podcasts before. And I think the part that frustrates me the most, just as an enthusiast is I want choices. I, I don't want to feel like it's forced. Like I can see where there is a market for an electric vehicle. Um, depending where somebody lives or even the performance side that, you know, some people are really into, okay, I get it, but it's almost like you take, you take these things, you know, we talk about pollution and emissions and all that stuff. And we take it from one side of the table and we just move it to the other where it's out of sight. And it's like, it's, it's good, but it's, it's really, it's really not. And I don't know if for non-enthusiasts, they really think about that. I, I'm not sure if it's on their radar of you know, what's one of the things they say that there's no tailpipe emissions or something like that on this EV. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, what about the plastic inside? What about the metal? What, where did the battery come from? What about the fabric? Yeah. Where did it all come from? And the other part of it is, and I see companies trying to do it is you know, like the F-150 Lightning and, you know, they try to tow and it goes 60 miles or a hundred miles or something like that. And then you got to charge it. Is It's just not there. And I think when I bring it back to diesel, I think, okay, I know that the landscape of it is very different than it was in the nineties, early two thousands, but like what you're working on with injectors and testing and replication of that testing and calibrations is we can take this precision and now apply it to these trucks that have DPFs, EGRs, these other things that they do to meet these standards. And I guess what I hope for, and I think back to, I, I wasn't alive or around then, but like cars in the late seventies, early eighties, and they made 180 horsepower, 190 horsepower. And now you have Hellcats and you know, Mustangs and, you know, Camaros and a bunch of other cars that make 700, you know, 797, 650, but they're able to do it because of the technology where it's like, that's where, that's where I get really excited about diesel because I, I believe like you do, it's not going away. You do need it. You can't, operate for four hours, shut down for seven to 10 and have any productivity in any industry in this country. Yeah. It's the rolling brownouts, the grandmas that can't leave home that end up dying because they're the heat exhaustion, you know, like their air conditioner doesn't work because right down the street, you got pro golfer and he's out there charging up his Tesla, like that kind of stuff. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't got the wire to support it. We might be able to create enough electricity on the planet if we had everybody's solar online 
And if we had every wind generator online, and if we had all of the water passing through all the dams, which really generate a lot of electricity, like you look at, you know, wind generator, it's like three megawatts, not a big deal. You look at a dam and there's several thousand megawatts potential right there. Like I worked in a hydroelectric plant, we would run one or two, or there was 10 generators, which basically is this massive, you know, if you picture like a jet ski propeller that was buried inside the dam and the, the, the top part of the forebay versus the tail bay, there's a pressure differential there. And when the water falls down that cage, basically looks like a turbine housing, it generates some velocity and the weight of the water forces the turbine wheel and out down the river she goes. So that pressure differential there is what powered the electric generators and those things would generate a lot of electricity. But just like what happened this year, you know, oh, look, the Colorado River, it wasn't short on water, but oh, look, all of a sudden these lakes that we used to have, they're all dried up. Okay, so 4% of the motor vehicles manufactured last year were electric and you guys used up all your water. You, you passed it through the dam. You let it all go before it was time. So improper scheduling and high demand, we, we don't have, there's not enough ways to generate electricity at this point to just like say gasoline and diesel is, is dead. Like that's gonna be a slow progress it's nobody's going to get rich quick scheme. Like there's already people that have gotten rich quick off it. And they're at the front with pom poms, you know, they're like trying to be the best cheerleader for it, but we're just not there yet. We're not ready for it. And diesel technology, you know, I'm not a gasoline guy. Like I, I've got some gasoline vehicles and I enjoy them as well. I don't know that much about gasoline and I can't claim that I do, but I do know that diesel stuff, even in my own little house right here, Adrian, has been trained by extrude hone on the AFM machine. And I've ran my extrude hone machines. I promise you that I have processed more extrude hone injector nozzles than anybody else in the United States of America or in the world, because nobody else has stood in front of an extrude hone machine near as many days as I have period. And I'm not saying that there should be like a King hat for that, I'm simply saying like, I've got a lot of experience like making parts incorrectly and making parts correctly. With Adrian down there, he's kind of the king of that little realm right now, like the AFM and the extrude hone sit side by side. And we're learning that both of them have an advantage and a disadvantage. And the AFM machine, like it has its place and he's processed, he's processed, I wanna say it was about 12,000 parts with the AFM this year. And we fought that thing a lot this year. So, you know, you're talking several thousand pieces, but when you say, oh, 12,000 pieces to an OEM, they're like, yeah, we do that in two days. <laughs> now, that being said, when you're processing six or seven or 8,000 parts a day, you have a recipe, you follow the recipe, because if you don't, and there's a time deviation, then you're two or 3,000 parts behind on a day somebody is going to be, you know, like in your department, figuring out what you did wrong yesterday. They can't fall off schedule like that. Right. So with us, we make parts that are really good and we're constantly trying to innovate new techniques and new ways to make them even better. So we're never going to make several thousand parts in a day and I don't ever care to, but as far as this planet's concerned, like I would love to manufacture, you know, for the ignorant people, they look at the black soot coming out, and they don't realize that that's going to hit the ground. It's super heavy. It falls to the ground. It turns into soil. 
and it's actually a really good fertilizer. So it's plant food. Have a nice day. But it is ugly coming out of the tailpipe. So when you're a kid running around like trying to flog everybody, you got, you know, you got some little power stroke with like low injection pressure and big, big, big nozzles. All it does is just oral the coal out. It's not fast. It runs hot. You at 550 a gallon, you spend all of your money just keeping the tank full. You got a guy with a Duramax. It's a lower pressure injection system. And back in the old day, the only thing that we knew was make, make big nozzles and throw crazy tunes at them and they all roll coal. Well, today's LB7 isn't that. Now with K-Factor and shaping the actual nozzle spray hole correctly, we can make something pump X amount of mm cubed, one, one and a half thousand smaller hole now than we used to even a year ago, even six months ago. Smaller the spray orifice, the less black smoke. So they claim that NOx gas is what's going to give us like all, you know, chest issues and lung issues and things. But I don't think anybody can find me any actual like university that's ever done a study and proven that. So I don't know, like there's just, there's so many misled information out there. I just, uh, you know, getting back to like the core of your people who's listening, who's watching, we got a lot of consumers out there. And we're striving to make sure that that consumer's truck runs better in a year than it does today. Then you've got shop owners out there. And those are the people that I really try and cater to because they're on the front line. They're the ones taking, you know, the heat from the customers and whatnot. So my biggest job is making sure that we've got tools and inventory to service those people and take care of them so that everybody can make money and the customer drives away happy. Um, you know, back to our original statement, is there some reman junk out there? Absolutely. Like there's companies that basically buy cores, they wash them, they might throw a Chinese nozzle on them and they send them down the road and they've got these, they've got their own test parameters. And if they pass their own test parameter, well, they've got this glorious warranty and we'll send you another one. Well, yeah, I mean, like you're into that injector for almost nothing. You sold it for almost retail and then you can, you can totally afford, you know, if I spent $40 on an injector and I shipped it out with a great warranty on it, but everybody got these things and they were garbage, my reputation would be no good. And our phones would be ringing off the hook with people that were upset with us. I don't want to operate that way. So that's not what we do. We try and spend as much as we have to, to make stuff that's really good. So people don't have to yell at us and customers don't have to use our warranty. But I mean, we do warranty our remands as good as anybody you know, warranties a new product. So I'm not, I'm not scared of that. I just, uh, I just think that it's taken us a long time to get here too. Like our, our remand product is really, really, really good. Like all of our super metals, those are all made off of remand injectors. And that is the top one to 2% of everything on the performance industry right now are, you know, like the super metal platform. Like that stuff is really, really, really good. And we trust it. So we only build it off supermetal. Supermetals only get built off remands. That boils back to that chim stack machine. <clears throat> that's really, I think that's really helpful for people to understand because as long as I've been into trucks, it, I've, I've always kind of heard that perception of new versus reman, I need to go this way. And it puts a lot of it into perspective. And when I think of things that I could do to my truck, there's a couple parts of it that scare me, like not literally scare me, but just, I think if this isn't done right, I could have catastrophic failure. And one of them is injectors because I've seen a lot of engines that are melted down, melted pistons. And it's just something where anytime anyone asks me, you know, 
what should I do? Should I spend a little extra? I'm like, this is one area you don't want to skimp on because it can quickly turn into a long block or short block or something like that. And so I think that's why these topics, a lot of people tune into them and they want to hear about it because they know somebody or, you know, when they're at the shop, the guy's like, Hey, this person, you know, didn't, didn't stay on their maintenance, didn't take care of their fuel system. And now I'm putting this, this whole new engine in it for him. So, um, it's a, it's a really key part. One of the the questions I love to ask you, and I know, I mean, you hear it on your Facebook and I, I always hear it after the episodes is people are like, well, what business wisdom does Lenny have for me? So I wanted to ask you a different question is what is some of the worst advice you've ever gotten or something where maybe you didn't know at the time, but looking back, you're like, that was probably the dumbest thing anyone ever suggested that I do. All right. So, so one term that comes to mind that everybody's heard is the customer is always right. Like that is the biggest crock of garbage on the planet. Now, a primary example would be like, let's just say that, uh, let's just say that like I'm having heart issues and I walk into the doctor and I say, Hey, you know, I like, can't breathe, whatever. And he looks at me and he goes, Hey, you're fat. You need to stay away from Donald's. And I say, Hey, look, I looked at nutritional facts and it says that I'm okay to do all this stuff. Like I'm going to continue eating Big Macs and French fries and, and Cokes like three times a day. And he's going to look at me and be like, well, the customer's always right. No, he's not going to say that at all. So the customer like eight out of 10 times is not right. They're coming to you, the professional for correct advice. Now it's your job as, as a real professional salesperson to help guide them because a lot of customers are going to try to, they're going to try and get a lot of value for a very little dollar. And that's just human nature, right? So it's your job as a professional to step up and be like, look, I can save you money and it will be okay. It won't be amazing, but it'll be okay. But if you're okay with me saving you money and it doing this and this and this incorrectly, then I'm, I'm okay with that. Or I can make you spend a little more money and you get that and you get that. And the only thing that you suffer from is there's less in your checking account or more in your credit card balance next month. So the customer is always right is the number one, like biggest bullshit line ever. Um, I used to work in a company called Les Schwab Tire. And this dude started this tire store in like 1953. He ran a glorious company, dude was super sharp. He was an old rancher that got screwed on a set of tires once. And he fired up a tire store right across the street from the guy that screwed him, put that guy out of business, bought that tire store and, you know, so on and so forth. He ends up with 250 stores in his life and never owed a dollar to any bank ever. Like all of his service trucks, all of his tire distribution trucks, his, his inventory, all of it was paid for. So I got to believe that Les knew something about business. Uh, what Les would say was the customer is the lifeblood of this and every other company. That's true statement. The customer is the lifeblood. So you want to take care of them, but they're not always right. Um, and then another guy once said something to me that uh, I was a little kid. I was like well, seventh and eighth grade and the Honda shop in town always had brand new, like, you know, fancy looking three wheelers and four wheelers parked out there. And, uh, I always wanted to work there. So I walked in one day, I had a, a little CR80 motorcycle and I, I melted the piston out of it. And uh, I walked in and he was like, you know, if you work here, you'd pay this much for this piston. But since you don't work here, you pay that much for this piston. And I was like, well, you know, if I could save money and I get a job here, like that's a win-win. 
So I started working at Chet's Honda. And uh, so I was in the back, basically taking quads and three-wheelers and little motorcycles out of their crates, bolting tires and handlebars on them, putting oil in them, you know, putting gas in them, starting them up, calling it, you know, the assembly process. And Honda was so good about like making sure that everything got set exactly. They made it just stupid easy. So 11 or 12 year old kid was able to pull that off with no problems. Um, one time he had me outside and he had me, so we had this chain link fence and I had this vinyl wrap, this like vinyl strip stuff that I was weaving through the chain link. And this, this is a bullshit job. I'm a, I'm an 11 year old kid that's been spoiled <laughs> by working on brand new motorcycles. And now he's got me out here putting these brads in the top and the bottom of this like plastic vinyl garbage. And, you know, it's just not the same job. So I was crying about it one day and uh, he looks at me and goes, look, every single job worth doing is as a job worth doing correctly or just don't do it. And I thought, well, what does that got to do with me out here freezing my butt off, you know, doing this instead of inside their motor, you know, in similar motorbikes. And uh, it stuck with me though, because he's right. Like no matter, and I've had other people say, look, if I got to build a fence, I'm going to build that fence straighter than anybody else, or at least dead straight. And all right, you know, so those things are, and I think that a lot of shop owners, you know, right now, my generation, you know, like call it the 45 to 55 year old dudes are starting to look for ways out. Like we've, we've given a lot, we've put up with a lot of grief and a lot of guff. And now we're getting to the point where things are getting paid off. And I'm saying my, you know, this like 50 year old generation, right? And a lot of guys are like, man, I can't wait to sell the shop and then move on to, you know, investing into real estate or whatever. And I say, good for you. That's, that's a great plan. But I also say that like, just selling the shop might not be the best idea because like, that's what got you to the dance. It got your credit score where it's at. It's giving you cash flow. And if you can operate your company half a day and half a day, start working on the other stuff that you want to work on. That's probably a wiser investment of your time because going cold Turkey and trying to sell your shop, you're going to find out that everybody can start a shop. So they don't have to buy yours. So your shop's going to have to be pretty unique, whether it, if you've assembled all of the best employees in town, then you have a value. But if your shop doesn't have a lot of extra things that a brand new shop owner couldn't have, there's really no reason to buy yours. You're just buying blue sky. Um, so yeah, with business, I'd say, you know, customers not always right. It's actually your job to make them correct and understand it correctly. And, uh, you know, make sure that you do your, your very, very, very best consistently to do the best job possible and everything else kind of falls in the middle of that stuff. I feel like. Yeah. I think a lot of times when I'm listening to like a business podcast or, you know, on Instagram, there's lots of, you know, kind of quote unquote inspirational posts. And it's like cliches bothered me so much. Like one of the big ones is like work hard. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's important. But what are you working hard at? How are you maximizing your time? And I think back to the testing and the replication that you were talking about with injectors is, you know, somebody could work really hard at making a bad injector, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee success, but it's also, you know, work, working smart as well. And I think also that ties into what you talked about with the boat being a fast speed boat versus, you know, a huge ship that takes two days to turn around and how as a smaller company or even a new company, 
you have a lot of advantages. It might not be the money, the capital, the marketing that some huge corporation has, but you can move really quick and get things done fast. And so I always, whenever I hear those, I try to think about them and think, what are they really saying? Or what's really the, what, what can I really gather from this you know, bit of advice or this post or, you know, this clip from, you know, a business podcast or leader or something like that? You know, I do, I listen to a lot of, you know, they call it kind of like self-improvement these days is kind of the cool term, I guess, you know, like you're always working on one another and you're, you're always trying to hang out with a higher standard of people. And you're always trying to be with people that, you know, fuel your mind with good thoughts, not just negativity and, and shit talking others. Right. Um, Andy Priscilla the other day was talking about like, uh, you know, basically like 2% of business owners become successful business owners. And then he goes through the math of like, here, zero to 50% are going to do this. And then like, you know, 50 to 70%, I want to say it was 50 to 70%, it might've been 50 to 80 are going to end up working really hard and looking busy all the time, but they're constantly just doing the wrong stuff. Like if you look at them, you're like, man, that guy's just grinding, but he's grinding at the wrong thing. And that kind of boils down to like, I could be out there trying to make every single injector but I would not make the same volume of injectors that we make today. And I certainly wouldn't make the same quality because right now everybody down there kind of has a niche spot. And if I was down there trying to EDM, then AFM, which I'm not good on that machine, I'm not gonna try and claim it. Adrian is good on the AFM. Him and I work together on stuff. And then Skylar, he's kind of got like the calibration side of it mastered. So there's no physical way that I'm going to walk downstairs and take all of the experience that they have on all these really cool tools, assemble it in my own brain, and then be able to employ it with my own digits. So sure, I would look busy and I would have all the right tools, but that doesn't mean that my product's going to turn out amazing. I'm better off making sure that A, I've got inventory. And that's something that has taken me a lot of time. Like I've got, I should say, kind of to pat myself on, on my back. Last week, last week, there was a, uh, I wish that would have went, but it was the Auto Mechanica show in Frankfurt, Germany. And these are dudes that I deal with that assembled in Frankfurt. And those pricks start calling me all hours of the night. And they're doing like <laughs> FaceTime on their phone. And I'm like, what are you doing? Who are you with? <laughs> and then I realized like, I got dudes from Brazil that I know. I got dudes from, from Germany. I got dudes from uh, Italy. And all these guys are hanging out together and they know me. And one of them was like, oh, I'll call him right now. So these guys are sitting there getting drunk, having fun. <laughs> and they're in Frankfurt, Germany. And they're like, hey, buddy, you know this guy, you know this guy, you know this guy. And I'm like, I hate all of you. Like right now, I hate every one of you. But that's my job. My job is to basically try and maintain a level of of personal relationships and, and continue growing with what we do. I'm using the rest of the planet as partners in my business. My, the guy that drives my injector is a partner of mine. If he didn't have my injectors, I wouldn't have sold him the injectors. I couldn't have talked to the dude in Brazil or Italy and had a conversation about anything. It's all basically just a dollar. And my Italian friend says to me one time, Italians are funny people. So this guy's got, he's successful. And uh, he's like, you know, we're talking about money. I was like, you got a Ferrari? He goes, no. 
I'm like, why don't you got a Ferrari? Like, They're dumb cars, you know, it's stupid. Hey, it's two people, you know, me and the girlfriend out for the weekend cruise, wah, la-di-da, you know, it's no big deal. He's like, uh, you know, the thing is, is uh, money is a, is a point system. I'm like, what? I think he just said money was a point system. He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're doing a good job, you end up with points. You know, you played the basketball, you put points on the board, it's points, you know. He's like, with money, it uh, you earn some, uh, you spend all of it, you spend more, no points. You're not doing a good job. He's like, you do bad, you sell, you know, crappy injectors, no points. People buy your parts, you get some points. But that's the way you should look at it, you know, like this... Uh, the greed of money is not uh, is a very ugly trend. It's uh, very ugly for people to look at it like that. You should not look at that. You should look at it like points. Because if you think like, I want as many points as possible, the opportunities are almost endless. But if you think of it like, I wanna go buy a fancy purse, I wanna go buy a fancy car, who gives a shit? Nobody gives a shit what your purse looks like, nobody. You driving fancier car than me, I don't give a shit. My girlfriend's still hotter than yours. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, you know, so that changed my perception on like what we're spending money on too, like from racing to all of it. Now I look at it like if, if money is a point, where should I, where should I spend my points? Should it be on new test gear and better employees to try and build a stronger company? And I keep voting. Yes, yes, yes. Like, do I have stuff? Absolutely. I got stuff. I'm, you know, I'll be 50 in less than a year. By now, if you don't have stuff, then you should look at what your point system is. You're not doing something correct. So, yeah. There's a there's an Instagram video. When you were telling that story, it's like a, a motor home and the bottom of it lifts out and this guy pulls up a Ferrari or Lamborghini and gets tucked underneath. And he goes, people think I'm rich, but I just make bad decisions. <laughs> it, it bad does. decisions, yeah. yeah. So, uh what do you guys got uh what do you guys got coming up i know you guys had some promos and things and it, it cracks me up because i saw one was like duramax i think it was over the summer you guys did a duramax thing and we reposted it on our discord and it's like i get a seven three guy it's like what do they got for seven threes or what about the, the 24 valves and then i saw another 24 valve one so i know people really like to see what kind of um like promotions or deals or things you guys got you know coming up okay so i'm I'm looking at my cell phone. That's why I'm not staring at the computer. Um, October, we got uh, all years of Duramaxes. So there's going to be a 5% off sale on Duramax stuff the month of October. And the 24th through the 31st, all products are going to be 5% off. And those aren't just available through Dynamite Diesel. That's available through anybody in our distribution chain. So basically month of October, all month long, Duramax stuff's 5% off. And we actually have, we've got blank sack nozzles for uh, LB7s. So if you have like the oval bowl piston, we have a pattern for that that works good. And if you have an LB7 and you want like 15% overs, I can give you sack style nozzles that do not like have idle haze and they don't run like garbage. Our, you know, if, if you want a stock nozzle on an LB7 out of a sack, I can build that for you right now. We've got hundreds of those things. So all Duramax, 5% off month of October, the 24th through the 31st, so basically the last week, I guess, 5% off all products. These sales are available through your favorite guy. So 
anybody you currently buy through our stuff is going to have these sales posted up here in October. Uh, November, we got uh, military and first responders get 10% off, and that is November 7th through the 11th. And uh, looks like November 24th through the 30th, um, all products 5% off again. December, um, Pearl Harbor survivors, military and first responders, 10% off of all products for the 12th through the 31st. So trying to get them lined up on the Christmas presents or whatever. And then we've got all products for the month of December, a 5% off. So, so for first responders, Pearl Harbor survivors, um, military guys, all products, five off, uh, excuse me, 10 off the 12th through the 31st, and then uh, five off for everybody, all products, month of December. Nice. So we got, we got pretty much every, everybody covered. So there's a, uh, yeah, regardless it's, of what truck you got, there's an option for it's it. It's the end of the year. Yeah. And there's, you know, the, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use names because uh, I think that's unclassy, but this industry is changing more rapidly than people understand. There is a company that has recently sold to like an equities group and that company, you know, every single time in the diesel industry um, that that's ever happened, you never really see the company like take off and really start to soar. You always see the company suffer. So with one of our biggest competitors being sold, I think that's going to change the whole landscape of like diesel injection totally. And uh, because of that, and this company also does turbochargers very, very well, um, I'm also going to get into turbos. So we're working with a company and we're not doing any sort of remands. Like that's always going to be, that's like Chase and Braden have the remand product under, I mean, I was there and they're killing it on their cheetah stuff. Like that stuff rips, it works, it's good. Um, and it drops in under the hood and they're working on carb testing and all that. But with me, since we're doing carb testing and EO testing, I know for a fact that there's going to be a necessity for me to have air. Uh, so I'm going to start, you know, working on packages that have a turbocharger and a set of injectors um, that come together and get EO tested, carb tested. So that's another thing that we're working on as well as a very small line of turbochargers that'll be dropping units that are matched with the diesel injectors that you buy from us. Um, and that's gonna be stuff that we start to, we're, we're doing the development on that right now. And we've actually got product in route to us right now. And as long as it tests well, which you know, I'm always, I'm always told it's gonna be glorious. <laughs> as long as it does what it needs to do and we're happy with it, then we're gonna start selling that stuff and releasing that stuff. So those are just things that we're kind of working on right now. That's really cool. And I like that as a truck owner that if I could buy something that is paired together like that, just, it just makes it, it makes it easier. And I'm sure for the dealers too, as well, when somebody comes in, they want something, if you get a pairing with, with it, it's just, it's a home run and you know, it streamlines it. And I, I always enjoy our chats. I look forward to them. Um, I like bugging you, you know, and messaging you and saying, Hey, when you, when you free Lenny to come onto the podcast. So. 
Early, early in the morning. Yeah, early in the morning. <laughs> so it's cool to chat with you today, learn what, what you guys have been up to. And uh, yeah, had a great time today chatting with you. Well, you're awesome. I appreciate you. Appreciate what you're doing with the industry. And, uh, you know, just thanks. And I can't wait to come back again. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kiausa.com. Use code diesel20 for 20% off site wide. They've got a ton of different options for you, no matter whether you're looking for something for EDC, hunting, fishing anything in between to meet any budget. We really appreciate our friends over there offering this discount code just for you guys. It's not an industry standard thing. It's not something that uh, anyone else is doing. It's just for you guys. So we appreciate their support. Want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowe and a 23 diesel. Also Caleb, we appreciate their support. All of our Patreons, all of you who are listening on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, all the podcast apps out there. Those of you on Discord, um, Instagram, Facebook, we love hearing from you guys. Love hearing your ideas about episode topics you want covered. You guys keep us going. That's why you guys are why we do this podcast, and we love being able to deliver the information that you guys want to hear four times per week. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.